to the fourth episode of the MacBytes podcast. We thought we'd dedicate this episode to the new operating system from Apple. The three of us joined hundreds of people who queued outside the Apple store at the Trafford Centre in Manchester. We were about the 20th in the queue and so were assured of that much coveted t-shirt. But of course we weren't just there for that, we were there to buy Leopard. And in this show we'll be discussing our experiences from installation through to first impressions. But first, let's get in our own time machine and travel back to launch night. You all come to buy? Yes, we are. Yep. Mate, yeah. yeah. You're looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, the front of the queue. Yeah. How yeah. long have you been here? Since, since, since about half three. Half three. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. So you didn't get in and um, sort of sneak in and stay in there? No. No, we, we, we got, got kicked we, we out. Kicked out but, Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what features are you looking forward to? Time machine. Time machine. Time machine. Spaces. Spaces yeah. are nice. Spaces, Spaces is nice. Is nice. Well, and you, you'll get your free t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Okay, nice. Thanks Take care, Hi, do you mind if I have a quick chat with you? I run a podcast. No, I'm Mac- the same. Oh, yeah. Mac- no, no. What's your podcast? Uh, it's the German community side. Right. Um, German also in Switzerland and so Right. So you come over specially or do you live? I'm, I'm live here, but live I do a lot of stuff for them basically. Right. You're looking forward to it? Oh well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Great, You're going to be buying Leopard? I have it already installed. You've got it already installed, yeah. right. You're here for the t-shirt then? Yeah, basically. And the experience? Yes, experience. Excellent. Course, yes. Excellent. Good. Nice to meet you. Are you, are you here to buy Leopard? I hope so. Yeah? Good. You're here to get the t-shirt? That or I was waiting for some fish and chips, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking forward to? With Leopard. With Leopard, yeah. The biggest thing is Time Machine. Also, back to my Mac. Right. So I can control one Mac from another Mac. That's going to be great. Yeah, I've uh, heard about that. Not long to go now, another 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it should be good. Yeah. Well, just We were just saying it's like uh, surprised about how big like the queue is and everything, you know. Yeah, well I got here about half an hour ago and uh, I, I thought there'd either be a massive queue or just half a dozen people yeah. because it's not like the iPod or the iPhone, no. is it? So, I mean, we were just saying that like, the iPhone's yeah. going to be enormous. Yeah, you've, you've got you, you've got to have a Mac to, yeah. to, to actually want to buy it, unless people are just coming for the T-shirt. You're expecting more for the iPhone? I would guess so, yeah. I mean, judging by what's happened in the States when, when it launched there, um, it's probably going to be twice around the place, isn't it? So here we are, about 20th in the queue with, uh, what's your names? Ben. Ben and? Gemma. Gemma. So you're looking forward to it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Ready to buy? Yeah. Get a new Mac. Get a new Mac? Yep. Installing tonight? Yeah, definitely. Are you getting it pre-installed? Well, mine's pre-installed, I'm getting the new iMac. I've got a MacBook Pro, so I'm installing it on my phone. Yep. Right. Clean install over the top of uh, Tiger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, backing yeah. it up first. Well, yeah, 32 gigs of music to back up first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to back up. What are you looking forward link. to in uh, Leopard? Time Machine. Time. Every, everyone said that. that was oh, everyone oh, said Time Machine. <laughs> time um, Machine and Spaces, everyone said. Actually stacked, because I always well, like, download yeah. tons of things, and to have a nice clean desktop, that'll be good for a change. Yeah. So, yeah. nice little feature, but um, an important one, I think, so... And I uh, just thought to say that this lady's got a, a tattoo of uh, the Apple logo. I am. 
Yes. Yep, uh, we've got pictures it. of it. We'll be. Uh, it's just going on the blog. We'll, oh, yep. it, it's it's going on the blog. Yeah, I've got the other side of my hip reserved for a finder. Really? <laughs> Not for a Vista logo. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for that. What, what inspired us to get the logo? Yeah. What inspired you to get the logo? Well, I'd always had a PC that never worked, and I had a Mac. Uh, I got it off then actually a MacBook, and it was the first computer I'd ever had that actually worked. And I had it about 12 weeks, and then he showed me a website where people had the tattoo, and I thought, wow, and he's like, go on, get one. So I went down and got it done, and the guy at the boiler uh, kept saying, you know, why are you getting it? And I'm like, you know why, Pops? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, they do computers, don't they? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I've got it from my computer. And he's like, all right. He said, I thought it was something really good, like something you'd made. I was like, no, I've got it from my computer. But I've just been a Mac user now for six months and had the tattoo for three months. Six months? Yeah. You're finding it okay? No oh, problems. brilliant. Best yeah. thing I've ever done. Good. How long have you been a Mac user? Uh, about 17 months. Good. Um, Thanks for that. Yeah. I've just been approached by two girls and they said, uh, what are they queuing for? So I said, uh, Leopard's launching and they gave me a right blank look. So uh, they said, what's that? So I said, uh, it's an operating system for the Mac computer. And uh, I said, have you heard of Windows? They said, yeah. I said, well, uh, it's like Windows, but it works. So have they joined the queue? Uh, no, they've gone into the clothes shop. No accounting for taste. They've gone to reboot. I was just about to interview Darren from the uh, Apple store here at Trafford Centre. And uh, the coffees have arrived, so uh, we'll have to hang fire. Yeah, um, I'm from a, a podcast called MacBytes.co.uk, and uh, also we're from the Northwest Mac User Group. So we're here in the queue, we're coming to buy Leopard, and uh, we just thought we'd uh, have a quick chat with some of the Apple staff. Fantastic. So uh, how's it going? It's amazing. Fantastic turnout. Yeah. Very, very exciting. It's going to be a fantastic launch. So, yeah, yes. you're already in there. Uh, we're close to. So, Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we can't comment on anything at the moment or our progress or anything like that, but I'm sure we'll have a fantastic Great. time. Yeah, well, so, thanks uh, for talking. Which version have you gone for? Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone for the, uh, the full-blown ultimate version. <laughs> I got there at about 4.30. Mike and Elaine were already in the queue, and I breathed a sigh of relief as I saw there was only about 20 people in front of them. At least we get a T-shirt. Mike B was there, sat on the floor, live blogging, and he was chatting away to uh, two new friends he found, Gemma and Ben. They are both uh, from Blackburn, they're setting up a user group up there, and uh, so we'd like to see, say hi to them. Gemma is actually the one that, uh, if you've seen our blog, she's the one with the tattoo of the Apple logo on her hip. And very colourful it is too. The Apple Store staff even provide us with coffee and bottled water, so a big thanks to them. Wearing my t-shirt from the Manchester Arndale store opening, and with a camera in my hand, 
I seemed to be a magnet for the Trafford Centre shoppers who wanted to know what was going on, though I don't think any of them were any the wiser when I told them Leopard's launching. The staff at the Apple store started a countdown just before six, and then the doors opened to mass excitement and we all filed in, took a t-shirt, and then set about the serious business of buying the software. And of course, whilst we were there, I couldn't really resist a look at the iPod Touches. Meanwhile, Mike and Elaine have, I believe, spent most of the weekend installing Leopard. I'm sure you've both got stories to tell, so over to you guys. Well, I'll jump in first. Uh, all I can say is, I was, well, I had to do it. I had to do it straight away. I, mean, I think we discussed earlier on the earlier podcast that that's just my style, really, to jump straight in. Uh, I'll just to quickly say is, I've got a MacBook Pro. Uh, it's a 15-inch MacBook Pro. It's a 2.2 Intel Core 2 Duo. My other computer is an iMac G5, a 1.9 gig iMac G5. The iMac's got one and a half gig of RAM. The MacBook Pro's got two gig of RAM. I was pretty confident that my, both my computers were were up to the job, so I didn't have that kind of worry. Uh, so I thought I'd one thing I'd, I'd decided to do because I did, discussing with Elaine and the options, the quandary that you have when you come to install a new OS. Elaine is like what we talked about is, do you do a clean install or an upgrade install? Uh, and as what you dis- suggested that you know, it's always best practice to do a clean install or you know, and and I I agreed, but what I decided to do really just for experimentation was to have a go at doing an upgrade install because it is promoted, and um, I watched uh, you know Apple's guided tour video, which is a pretty good video, showing you some of the new features. But you know, he did say how easy it is to do an upgrade install, and I thought, yeah, of course, I'll give it a go. Now, my MacBook Pro, I thought I'd try that on the MacBook Pro. Uh, my MacBook Pro has been used quite a lot in the six months I've owned it, and, and it's got a lot of software on it uh, that I've been trying, testing, and evaluating, and sticking to or not sticking to, but it's still still full of it. So I thought I'd do the upgrade install and just see how much of it survives. And to be honest with you, my verdict was, you know, after me after the installation, I, I was pleasantly surprised. It it went it went in seamlessly. It was dead. It was just slick. It it or as Apple say, it just worked. From from installing that, from putting the disk into the drive and double clicking on this, you know, the setup routine and selecting the language. In total, and from when the system rebooted and it became usable again, it took fifty five minutes. Now, again, I thought this is a you know major upgrade. It's a full OS upgrade. I thought I, I was pretty impressed with that. And uh, after the 55 minutes, you know, and the system became operational again, I went about testing some of the usual applications, you know, my iTunes and uh, tested that, you know, that my iLife things were okay. Uh, and everything seemed fine. And, I, you know, I, I just, I was just so, I was over, I was really, really impressed that everything just went in really slick. And, it was after doing some more updates, and I was going through some of my pro, some of my other applications that needed, uh, uh, you know, because even with uh, the iLife, there was a couple of iLife updates. There was an update to me Aperture, uh, to me application for Aperture, Aperture as well, and it was after then that I, you know, I, I kept it going for a few hours while I was um, using it and uh, testing things and trying some of the great new features which we'll talk about. But it's then that I realised there was a something had changed on my system. My system. Although when it was running, it seemed fine, but on the days shutdown and startup seemed to have slowed down. And I then 
began to you know become to the reality really that off okay I've, I mean there's always been a highlight of this MacBook Pro was it started up and shut down so fast and I then you know kind of convinced myself yeah well deep down really because of all the software that was installed in there in the past I think there's a good reason to have a good clear out uh, and I, I, I'll be honest I've treated that we then have done as we've discussed I've come from the Windows world when I've done Windows updates in the past uh, I've always used the new OS as a, you know, an opportunity to do a good clean out get rid of some because I'm always as I've said always beta testing programs always trying on you know new tryouts and evaluating things and so yeah, there's a good chance my system was full of it. So I I did I decided to go for the clean install. But what I decided to do was go the clean install on the iMac first. I could not believe it. And I, I did a, a raise and install so it completely wiped the system out. Obviously, I backed up all my essential stuff, me iTunes, music and all my photos and everything that was... Unlike, uh, you know, you do too, Elaine and Mike, I've not got anything particularly mission critical for professional use. As we've discussed, mine's more, you know, hobbyist use. But... You know, I have to make sure they got all my essential stuff backs up on my external hard drives. But the erase and install process, this don't forget, this is a 1.9 gig iMac G5, and and I'm comparing it to this 2.2 gig MacBook Pro. It took 35 minutes from starting the erase and install process and the system booting back and becoming usable again. 35 minutes compared to the 55 minutes of doing the upgrade install. <laughs> I mean, because no, and what surprised me even more is because if you look at it, the the couple of windows that come up when it's prompting you for the installation process, you know, just as where your destination drive is and the you know the basics that it asks you for, uh, it does give you, it tells you how much space is required and how much it's going to install. And when you're doing a, a complete clean install, you know, an erasing install, it does need more. Uh, I think it was something like eleven and a half gigabytes. Whereas when I did an upgrade install on the MacBook Pro. It only required, uh, I think it was more like something like six or seven gigabytes. It, you know, it, it was substantially less because obviously there was a lot of essential system files were already there. You know, the core of the you know the system it was just the the core of the system needed updating and some new features, but a lot of it is obviously already there. So yeah, the cleaning, the the clean install process took thirty five minutes compared to fifty five for the upgrade, and. Uh, it all, you know, and, and as I say, and it was installing a lot more data, so I was well impressed with that. So then I thought, well, God, that's a big difference in time there, and you know, and the, the computer's not as powerful as well, and it's installing more data. And then I thought, well, it might have something to do with the fact that the MacBook Pro is only a laptop hard drive, and I didn't overspec this laptop when I got it. I used the standard spec, so it's only a five four hundred RPM drive, whereas in the desktop computer in the iMac, it's a a seven two hundred. But I thought, would it really make that much time difference? So. Uh, as of, I had to prove a point, so I've, I did a clean install and a raising install of the MacBook Pro, and that again took about 35 minutes, about the similar time. So the yeah, the, the difference in the RPM rating of the drive didn't seem to make that much difference, and 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 deep down I didn't think it would. So it just goes to show really that uh, it's a much smoother process and a much faster process of doing the fully raising install, and and I think we can all agree it's. It's a safer process, you know, in terms of, you know, reliability. Uh, you know, if you want to make sure that what you're then installing afterwards is going to be uh, fully, you know, operational, fully compatible. And and, and the good thing about what I, I've realised, you know, again, reminded myself, because it's been a while since I've done a new OS, I've reminded myself that, yeah, when you do a clean install, not only are you getting rid of all the old unused stuff in the background and, you know, unused preferences and things, but also 
when I come to reinstall the applications that I do want, for one, I'm only installing the ones that I do want and do need and do use. And also, I'm also forced to go out and go and check and make sure I've got the very, very latest versions of those applications. Uh, before, I, rather than just installed automatically from the backup of a disk image that I've got on one of my external drives, I think, oh yeah, I want to install that particular app. Well, no, let's go and look for the latest. See if there's a, a latest version. I've not downloaded that one for a while, you know. And it, and it, I think there's an, another little advantage there. It just, it kind of provoked me into go and make sure that I had the very latest things. Uh, so yeah, I've had mixed experiences. Uh, at trying to find some of those new ones because there's a couple of warnings coming up which we'll discuss about whether things are compatible or not but other than that I'm now I'm now really happy because my systems are, I mean and, and also my start up and shut down problem that I had with my Mac uh, with my MacBook Pro after I'd done the upgrade install in reality and I did time it in reality it was taking uh, a little over a, a minute it was taking you know probably 70-80 seconds to, for it to start up properly and when I did the clean install, it's back to how it used to be, to be honest with you, when it was running Tiger. It's, it's, it's a, this MacBook Pro usually starts up after about 35 seconds for me to for it to become usable, you know, from a complete, uh, you know, shutdown state uh, for it to become, uh, you know, I can start using it. And so, yeah, it's, and it's, I'm now back in that state. So, again, dead pleased. Uh, it I, I proved a worthwhile point to myself. And, you know, and like I said, I was, initially I was dead pleased, the upgrade process did work and it went like a dream in, is what I believed it did. But and I think really, and I, I think people are going to have different experiences. If they life like me, they've got a lot of, well, I was going to say a lot of junk, <laughs> just a, a lot of stuff in the background there that's you're not using or that's, you know, out of date, incompatible, that uh, you might want to get, have a clean, good clean out and a good reason to have a good clean out. So... Uh, that was my experience of installing it. Uh, Elaine, how did you get on? Um, I was always going to put it on the MacBook Pro. Uh, that was my intention, and my intention was to do a clean install. Uh, my MacBook Pro comes out with me. I do demonstrations with it, and I do training with it. So there wasn't anything on there in terms of data or software that I was particularly worried about. So um, Friday night, I was there. In fact, Thursday night I started. I did um, a complete system backup with SuperDuper which took a disk image, which meant that if I do think of a file that I've since not backed up anywhere, I've got that disk image to go back to. Um, before, I'd used Carbon Copy Cloner, which is a free application to do a disk image with. problem I had with it was it was very good and it worked, but it repeatedly um, was asking you questions during the process, and I needed this one to run overnight, so I gave SuperDuper a try. Uh, and it did it all by itself, four and a half hours for... Um, about 140 gigs worth of data uh, and it made the, the disk image for me so once I'd backed up Friday night it was a case of get the disk in uh, tell it to do a clean install and away it went the actual part of the process that took the longest time I think you when we talked you said you'd cancelled it was it took 20 minutes to validate the DVD now I, I left it doing it <laughs> I, I toddled off with a dog and uh, left it doing it so uh, it validated the DVD and uh, including that 20 minutes, it took 50 minutes to install. I love the way it doesn't ask any questions. There's no stupid questions until it's actually installed. And then it, you know, it just asks you for a name and have you got an Apple account and have you got a .Mac account and then you're up and running. And it went seamlessly. It was absolutely incredible. It was for me a huge contrast because only 10 days ago um, I'd installed VMware Fusion 
to run Windows. And I'd had the pleasure, dubious pleasure, of installing XP. The installation went very, very well because it's actually easier to install Windows in Fusion and Parallels than it is on a physical PC. It installed in about an hour, so it wasn't too bad. And then you know what it's like. You boot into Windows and it says uh, connecting to Windows Update, connecting to this, connecting to that. There are some patches available. There were indeed some patches available. There were 93 of them and it took seven hours to sort it out. It was bad. It took me back to the bad old days when, you know, rebuilding your system was something that you take a week off work for and a ton of Valium with you. So uh, I'm happy to say this one. I have had one system update for uh, keychains and that's it. And it's amazing. You sit there and you think, wow. So it was a case of uh, trying all the new features out, uh, which I did. And uh, it was great fun. Uh, In terms of getting it on the iMac, which is my main machine, I'm a lot more cautious than you. Uh, it is mission critical for me. I've, it's a business system. Uh, I have to have complete continuity. So what I did was I thought, like you, it's a good time to uh, have a look at the rubbish that's on the system. So I did a system audit. Uh, I looked in the applications folder. I'm not worried about my data. My data's all backed up and on external drives. But it's the applications. If I've got applications that aren't going to work on Leopard, then I'm going to have to leave it for a bit. So I did this system audit and I found that I had 198 applications and they were just <laughs> the yeah, they were just the ones that had an icon in the applications folder. I've also got ones where there is no icon where there are plugins and things like that. Uh, so I set about making a list of them and I set about researching whether they were leopard compliant or not. Oh and that was quite an annoying task. Uh, the best sites for software are where you go out, you get to the homepage, and there's a nice big sign that says, yes, we are compliant, or no, we're not. And that was great. And I wasn't even worried if they weren't yet, because it was easy to find. The annoying thing was there were so many sites, obviously, with 198 applications, it was going to take some time. But you get to a site, and it doesn't say. And you're looking at the latest news on their site, you're logging onto their forum, you're doing a Google search, you know, for leopard compatibility. And I did find the good news was that the majority of them turned out to be compatible. There were a few that were surprising. I mentioned in a previous podcast that CS3 from Adobe was one that if it didn't work, I wouldn't be upgrading. Uh, they have actually put out a very comprehensive PDF file which details their support for leopard. The good news is the amount of applications in the Creative Suite that are fine on Leopard. The good news is Photoshop's fine, InDesign's fine, Dreamweaver, Flash, so all the ones I was really concerned about turn out to be okay. There are a few issues though. The video components of the Master Collection are going to need an update, which apparently will be available by December. Uh, and the other big one is Acrobat, including Acrobat Reader, which so many people must have installed because it's a, a little freebie. Uh, and the patch for that is not going to be available until the end of January 2008. That's ridiculous. I thought yeah. that was uh, just bizarre. What I can see that they've got to be careful with it, etc. But when you check the other sites, and I, I'm thinking, well, as we've discussed previously, individual developers, they are one-man bands. And their product is Leopard compatible already. Or, in the, in one case that I read, the guy's been up all week working with the Goldmaster because they, the developers didn't get it that far in hand. 
um, and, and he's been up all week sorting it out and you know by Sunday night he's promised it will be leopard compatible and then you get Adobe who are sort of sat there thinking oh well the end of January that's fine and I was quite shocked by that and I thought well what do I do now? I was thinking Photoshop would be the problem so I've uh, got, got things to think about with Creative Suite. I think I'll probably um, not worry too much about Creative Suite because in this uh, file which we'll put a link to on the show notes it says, you know, would Adobe recommend installing it? And the overall thing is, yes, they would. Um, other issues are my Lightroom, for which I have a particular fondness, my reason for moving to a Mac. That's got problems too. Uh, it would appear... It has got problems. It has got problems. Oh, uh, right. One of the problems with that is it, it would appear to work, but there are different modules in Lightroom. Instead of it being like a sort of one application and then you use the menu, in the top right-hand corner, there are big sort of buttons and you go from one module to another so you yeah, go from the yeah, library to develop uh, and the one of them is print and the print options on it are fantastic but apparently on leopard if you click on the print button um, it crashes oh no or it comes up with a message and says oh you can't do that so um, and yet that's the one <laughs> that is the feature that load of people did review uh, lightroom and say that was one of its best features it is it's a really powerful feature and the layout options are fantastic um for me, to be honest, it isn't a feature that I use a lot, so it wouldn't be a showstopper for me. Um, of all the applications that I've checked, I've found some that aren't supported. So I'll put a list of these on the blog, actually, as well, uh, from what I've found out. Um, some that aren't supported at the moment, one was Dev and Think. And I thought, oh no, I, I've got files in Dev and Think. That is, uh, we're going to look at that in a future episode. But I've got files in there that are system critical. So I thought, oh, that's a bit of a problem. But in my research for other applications, I found somebody who'd uh, blogged it and said that although it's not supported, it was running fine for them. So I thought, well, I've got the MacBook Pro, I'll install it and have a look. So I installed it and it's running fine for me as well. So I can't recommend you install it because it isn't supported, but it's not crashed on me. So um, even things that aren't supported are seeming to work okay. The things that really got me were um, a couple of utilities uh, and whereas I was thinking Photoshop was a huge application, big thing, if I can't use Photoshop I won't be installing Leopard. I'm looking at these tiny little things, there's one called Red Snapper. Now I know Mike T uses it, you like that don't you? I do, I, I find Red Snapper really really handy. Uh, for those that, that don't know what it is, it's uh, a one-click button built into Safari where you can snap the whole of the page without having to scroll down, save it as a PDF, or save it as a JPEG. Um, the text is, is selectable. Um, Elaine can tell you more about it. But uh, yeah, I found it a really, really useful app. Well, what I did was, how I found it, there's a free application called Paparazzi. Have either of you heard of that one? Yeah. 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 What that lets you do is take a URL, type it into the bar in Paparazzi, and it will let you save the page. Now, the limitation of that was, I tried it and I thought, this is fantastic. But the limitation was, when you need to use this feature most, is really when you're buying something. So you get through to the page and it says, you know, you've bought the software, here's your name and serial number. You can't take that URL and paste it into another browser or Paparazzi and resend it. It'll tell you, you know you can't do that so you need to take a snapshot of the page without leaving the browser and that's what red snapper does brilliantly there's the, th the three things with red snapper are it puts a button on the toolbar so it's really easy to use because it 
directly takes an image of the page, you don't use the print engine. And not using the print engine means that the page is rendered as it is and not with a print CSS applied. So you get a copy of the page exactly as it looks. Secondly, if you choose PDF as the output, the text is searchable with Spotlight so you can find the files. Um, and thirdly, the links remain clickable. So they are like the, the three main things that that does very, very well. And uh, I'm, I'm checking on these sites and I thought, right, Red Snapper, it was only updated about two months ago. I goes to find it on uh, Mac Update and the page wasn't there. So I, I googled it and I got to a page on Mac Update and it would appear that it not only isn't supported because of plugin issues and the architecture of Safari, but the developer has actually pulled the application. So if anybody out there knows what they are intending to do with it, I really need to know that ah. because when I when I sat down and thought about it, there isn't anything that's compa that's comparable. It's a really really useful app, as I said before. It it just does its job. Now, to be honest, Safari with Saft installed will do the same job, not as nicely or as neatly as Red Snapper, but it would do it. But of course, at the moment, Saft isn't supported on Leopard either, so. Whereas I was thinking it was going to be the big applications from the likes of Adobe that were going to be a problem for me, it actually turned out to be probably the cheapest application on my system. I think I paid £2.60 for Red Snapper. And I can carry on using it as long as I'm on Tiger. And of yeah. course I take images of web pages frequently from um, taking a snap of what a web page looks like now for a client to uh, invoices, all sorts. I do it all the time. I do that. I must use that 20 times a day and uh, it's not supported. So, so I guess that Red Snapper is one of those applications or plugins that's, that uses uh, the input managers uh, in Tiger and uh, in Safari's Tiger that, in Tiger's version of Safari, that it, I believe that these input managers have now been closed down uh, more securely in, in, in the Leopard version. Is, is, is Red Snapper an application like that? You know, like Saft is, uh, tries to grab hold of these hooks, doesn't it? It must have some sort of hook to get, to get in where it's getting, yeah. um, to have a button on the toolbar and to do what it does. I wouldn't have thought oh, it was anything so. like as serious as, as Saft integrates itself or some of the other ones like Inquisitor because they're actually appearing in, in the menu and adding mm. to features to it. This one just sort of let you print out a PDF. Um but it's actually disappeared off the site. When you go to the site, what you get is there's a link at the bottom and the text of it, the link is uh, what happened to Red Snapper. When you click it, you get taken through to a form and you send an email to the developer. Now, I did that and I haven't heard back yet and I believe a lot of other people have asked the same question. So um, that was really, really sad news. So um, my list of things, my list of applications that were going to cause a problem, uh, right at the top of it is uh, Red Snapper. So I've had a look at uh, Firefox to see if there's an add-in for Firefox that can do it or whether Safari's improved to such an extent I could do it from Safari and uh, so far not, sadly. So for me, um, I've gone through all these features, uh, all these applications and it's a case of sort of are you going to bite the bullet and put it on the iMac? I probably will, um, but I think I'm going to wait for Saft because that would add the feature in for me. Apparently, gentleman with Saft is working on it. So, uh, hopefully not too long. I know you were concerned about some of the plugins you've got. 
Oh, I mean, well, Inquisitor's the ultimate for me. I mean, when I first discovered Inquisitor, I went shouting that out from the tallest steeples. I think it's fantastic. But <laughs> and when you know, and and I the the guy that uh, developed Inquisitor on his blog, when I got the last update for Inquisitor, he put on his blog that he'd uh, heard from beta testers of the you know of of Leopard saying that. Uh, it was going to be locked down for these, and like I said, the so-called input managers that the as part of the OS that they use, and it's, I mean, it, we we call them, you know, uh, us, you know, us in little Joe Public out there, we call them plugins, like type thing, but in a sense, it's not an official plugin that's supported by Apple, you know, the likes of Inquisitor and Safra and things like that. So when these are applications that the developer grabbing all of these input managers, it is, in a sense. A little bit of a backdoor hack, and Apple have cited from what I've read is uh, on some of the uh, uh, MacWorld sites. Uh, well, I think it was on MacWorld uh, that uh, you know Apple have closed these input managers down, uh, and citing the reasons of security, to, uh, you know, to mean because it, it had been declared or by some someone that you know this potentially was a security hole. Uh, that, you know that uh, something illicit could be in there, so I understand that, and you know, and obviously Mac OS X has has had a good reputation as being secure, and so therefore, if anybody uh, believes that there is a part of it that uh, needs its security beefing up, then yeah, I, I can fully understand that Apple would go down that road uh, to help keep you know ensure that it stays secure. I so, wondered if it was actually worth my while trying to install it on Leopard and giving it a go. Because one of the things that I did install, um, there's been three updates to uh, an application called One Password in the last week, and uh, it's right. Leopard compatible. When I installed it, I got all my browsers installed. You know me and my browsers collection. I got all seven of my browsers installed, and then installed One Password, and it gave me a message saying that it needed to do something, and it actually mentioned input managers. Right. So I I said yes, fine, you get on with it. Uh, when it had done it, it's managed to put a button on the toolbar and it works seamlessly. Right. So well, up I until had last hope week, that these well, things would work. Well, up until last week, I was you know I was keeping an eye on the the blog for uh, Inquisitor and from the developer's blog to see you know if there was any news that he he had been able to test it with one of the betas or you know or right up until up until the last minute it's as if you know that particular developer had not been able to get hold of one of the uh, betas or you know or one of them uh, even to the, the the last gold master that was you know came out at the last minute for the for anyone uh, apple obviously kept that in you know close by uh, you know close to the chest don't they but you know it's a right up to the last minute he hadn't uh, given any updates but what i've since found out is you know when obviously did chuff to find out that Inquisitor is now working with with the new Safari and Leopard, because seemingly, seemingly what they've discovered is that Apple, although they said that they were going to close these input managers, they've not actually, from what we've read, uh, from certain developers have been able to prove that they've not completely removed them or closed or completely closed them down. What they've done is just made them a lot more secure and made the, you know other security. Uh, authentication aspects of them to be stronger so inquisitor has been able to uh, you know he, he, the developer of inquisitor has released a, an, an update right at the last minute or well yesterday uh, and that's that's 
working fine now. So that's why you were saying then about Saft and that, because that's I, I do believe that Saft works in a similar way in uh, grabbing hooks on these input managers. I believe so. It's looking positive that Saft might well be operational pretty quick. I think Saft is going to take longer than Inquisitor it, because Saft is, a, you know, does a hell of a lot more as we've discussed previously. Uh, but yeah, so. It is looking better there. And I, I don't know. I just think that with Safari, and you know, like we talked about when in that episode when we talked about Saft, and I, I, I use my my new word for the day was pluginable, talking when we were comparing it to Firefox. At the end of the day, Firefox did have that reputation as being, uh, in inverted commas, pluginable, because the, it out there in the open source community there was that. Uh, developer community that had that API for them to you know develop the plugins and the th themes and the extensions for. With Safari, the, the, the Apple have never done that for the developers. Now I do wonder. Again, back to the news of, for example, I oh god, mentioned iPhone again. No, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, couldn't help it, couldn't I? But we have to mention that uh, Apple have. Uh, publicly said that they are going to put an SDK out for the iPhone and uh, you know and I think it's because of the changes in Leopard and you know they have beefed up the security in these input managers for example so it might be the case that they are, they are actually going to go down the road of putting out an SDK you know an, a, an API development API that uh, the developers that are going to be able to use and put things to Apple and say you know this can be can go out for Safari and and, and I think that would be good to see definitely I think there'll be uh, so, you know, I think Apple, deep down, they do realise there's a brilliant, fun, amazing developers out there that, I mean, that attracts more people to the Mac. Uh, you know, this, this, I mean, let's be, you know, we can all agree that some of our favourite software apps is not Apple software, is it? It's from third party. And Apple do need to, you know, there's been a few niggles recently with the way they've been with the developers. And I think we can all agree that they do need to keep... Uh, a, a, you know, a good relationship with the, with the developer community, don't they? I don't know if you, either of you, have seen the story about the dreaded blue screen of death. You come have seen that? Yes, I have. Leopard installs. Um, I think you two, by the sound of it, have been fairly lucky with your installations. Oh no, I mean very. Yeah, yeah it's, hundreds it's been of perfect. users. Hundreds of users are reporting an inability to properly start up after installing Mac OS 10.5 Leopard. The issue is typified by a successful installation, but a persistent blue screen on the subsequent restart requiring a forced shutdown. Unsurprisingly, virtually every user reporting this problem used a straight upgrade rather than performing an archive and install or an erase and install as we they previously recommended. So uh, it it looks like it's uh, it's there are some problems. Yes. So uh, Elaine, have you come across uh, any further information about that? I have. Um, Apple have posted on their knowledge base and uh, they're saying that the problem is um, an application enhancer from Unsanity. Now, I've never used that myself, but apparently that's the problem and it's a problem with an old version of it. So what the recommended solution is, is to upgrade to the very latest version of their application enhancer before you install Leopard and then apparently it will be fine. Uh, talking of blue screens of death, though, um, that reminds me of something very humorous. There is an Easter egg, apparently, in Leopard, which I'm not. It's well, well worth seeing. Um, I was reading on a blog and somebody said it's fantastic. They, they were under an NDA and they couldn't discuss it previously. 
But there is an Easter egg in there that's very funny and that they expected it to be taken out of the Gold Master and it's still there. And what it is, you open a finder window and you turn on cover flow. Right, go on, I'll do that now. Yep, do it, do it now. I don't know whether it'll work for you because I don't know if you've got a PC. But... Oh, oh, you mean a Windows PC? You need a Windows PC. Terrifying, oh, I know. I've got, not got one of them. <laughs> well, this is only for people who are on a network with a Windows PC. But on the oh. left-hand side of your Finder window, there is a section of shared resources. Yeah. And I'm going to do this right now because I am on uh, a Leopard machine at the moment. I'm being very brave and recording our podcast on a Leopard machine. And there is a shared section. And in my shared section, the shame of it, I have a PC. I have my one remaining PC. So if I click on that PC, what I get in the cover flow window are the little blue folders of all the shares available on that PC. Yeah, I'm with you. However, in the bottom of, it, of the finder, if I make sure I go to view and show path bar, I get a path bar that shows me sort of the breadcrumbs going backwards. Oh, that path bar is dead useful. It's good, that. I like that feature. Right. If you click on shared right at the beginning of that path, yeah. in your cover flow appears an icon that represents each machine that's on your network. And I have my iMac turned on. So the, the icon for my iMac is a nice 23-inch monitor with a beautiful um, Mac desktop on it. The icon for my Windows machine is a really ugly 14-inch CRT monitor with a blue screen of death on it. I like that. No way. It's no, fantastic. No, we're going to put it on the blog. It's doing the rounds on the internet. Uh, we're going to put it on the blog. It is the blue screen of death, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I was sniggering away with myself when I saw that. Um, I thought, oh, how are they going to get away with that? And then I thought, well, to be honest, if they didn't use that, what clearly says PC? And I thought, well, a Windows logo, and maybe they're not allowed to use it. But it's a classic. It's a classic. So I'll post it up there so everyone can have a look at it. But I really, really like that feature. It's so almost worth a... keeping the PC on the network just to see it. I'm going to buy a PC off eBay now. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, Let me get this right. You, you have an icon representing a PC monitor, and they've got the blue screen of death on it. Yep. Oh, perfect. <laughs> remember, because I remember that picture that went around the, the internet years ago on, e on emails where they showed some picture of an airport screen with all the blue screen of deaths on the airport screens. Yeah. So it's like that, is it? It is, to be honest. When you look at the little <laughs> icon, the really tiny icon on the left-hand side in the devices bar under shared, the Windows machine is a tiny little icon with a blue screen. But it's so small that you, you're not assuming it's a blue screen of death. It actually looks in the tiny, tiny icon like um, a DOS window. And the Mac icon is, again, this cinema display. It's only when you click on this shared button down at the bottom in the path bar that you actually get a huge icon and you can see it. A fatal exception has occurred, blah, blah. Got to see it. I'll send you the image. You've got to see it. Oh, brilliant. So good job you mentioned the blue screen of death there, Mike. That managed to, I managed to uh, explain no, all well, about I've, that I've, one. I've, well, I've just opened the... I've just done what you said, but obviously I've only got my picture of my iMac G5 there. And it is, it's perfect picture of the iMac G5 sat there. And It's I a perfect picture saying. of a blue screen of death. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to send me that. Oh, that would be great. But no, I still don't want to put a Windows PC on my network. No, it's not really worth it for you, is it? No. 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 I've switched good and proper now. So, what other issues have we found? Uh, one thing I wanted to try was the calendar. Uh, I had high hopes for the calendar. 
and um, I was quite shocked when I opened it. Um, it's it's uh, a nice improved interface. Obviously, first thing you notice is the icon in the dock now has today's date on it. When you go in there, um, it's got the, the nice little leopard-esque features. And I spent five minutes looking for the information icon, which, if you don't know, it's a drawer that appears on the right-hand side with all the information in about whatever you have selected in the calendar view. And I couldn't find it, so I'm on the menu, I'm on, on the bar at the bottom, I just couldn't find it. It's no longer there. What you have to do now is you have to double-click on one of the appointments and it opens up a bubble. And in the bubble, it's got all the information that used to be available in the information panel on the right-hand side. And my first impression was, oh no, I don't like that. And I didn't like it because, although the interface itself is much improved, it means that rather than just navigating through my iCal calendar and clicking once on each um, appointment and the panel on the right-hand side updating automatically, I now have to double-click on an appointment I can, if I go to a different appointment, double click on the different appointment and that will give me that the first bubble will close and a second bubble will open. The problem is, while that bubble is open, it's actually hovering above your calendar. So sometimes you have to click done to close the bubble before you can actually double click on another appointment. So it's actually... Um, a lot less intuitive I think and um, there's going to be a lot more clicking to get to see the information that used to be available just in the panel so I was quite disappointed with that I must admit the interface oh, looks I see, lovely I see what you mean. the interface does look very lovely but I think I prefer the way it was displayed before did you use the info panel yeah, I now realise now it was it it was just there, wasn't it? It was, and you just I could use my cursor and click, you know, my cursor controls and click between appointments, yep. and the info would just appear there. I didn't. I can see what you're getting at. Yeah, it's more use of the mouse and double clicking uh, on the set on the each individual one, whereas before you could just toggle around your your appointments and and the the panel would automatically repopulate with the with the information you've just highlighted that's exactly it and yeah, one of the things yeah, i right. use it for i have online seminars and i have quite a few of these in a week and each one has a different url and different logon credentials there's information about how you have to log in and i put all that information i just copy it from an email and paste it into the appointment so when i'm opening up this bubble there would appear to be a maximum size for the bubble and you get a scroll bar, so you can scroll down the bubble. But I didn't used to have to scroll either. You could see it in the panel, and I had the panel the full height of my desktop. Yeah. yeah. And now this bubble, when it opens up, it's actually covering on mine six days out of my calendar. So if, I, if the next appointment I want to view happens to be on one of those six days, I've double-clicked, so I've clicked twice to open it, I've then got to click once to close it, and then I've got to double click another one, so it's five clicks, and before it was one. So usability wise, don't know what's gone wrong there. Like the mm. interface, don't like the feature, I'm afraid. So if anybody out there, one of our listeners, finds an add in plugin or whatever that will bring back the uh, info panel, I would really love to hear about that. And we've just been discussing what Apple are like with letting people do add-ins and plugins. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's the same thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's very sad, that, actually, isn't it? Um, it looks a bit pretty. You know, overall, iCal just looks a bit nicer, doesn't it? But It does. It looks very lost, nice now. If, if for your mind, it's just the operation of it's not as slick as it was. 
Well, I can see the advantage of having the bubble if you hovered and the bubble appeared, but you've got to double click it. So, uh, seems nonsensical in a backward step to me, although I do actually like the new interface. I like that a lot. I like the look of it, yeah, yeah. Look of it's really good. Mike, what do you think? Of, you you were, uh, remember in the lead up to the Leopard, you were mentioning that iCal uh, was a, 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 an application that you kind of warranted a, an update. Yeah, I like the new interface. It looks a lot more modern. Um, but um, I agree with the, the issue with the bubble that it, it gets in the way. I prefer that uh, that info bar down the right hand side. It's all there. It's in your face. You don't have to click or double click or click away. Um, but I'm sure I'll get used to it in time. Although, mm. uh, if if there's a third party app there that could bring it back, that would be great. Well, I think there's going to be a few uh, tweaks as uh, you know, as as we've because we've got version 1.0, haven't we? There's bound to be some few t tweaks, and 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 I would hazard a guess that you know Apple are going to. Uh, take on board feedback and things uh, and it may well be that the info panel may come back as just as, as an option uh, you know uh, in the in the view menu where you could you know have it have it on or off if you if you require uh, shall we set up a know, petition we could do couldn't we like you yeah, know like on the people blog. petition cabbage to bring the whisper back yeah that'll work <laughs> we'll petition steve <laughs> we'll do that. i'm sure there'll be a few things that we could uh, petition that we want next uh well, you're no, never I, satisfied. I, we know that. Of course, of course. It's the only thing that's uh, the only thing that is satisfied really is my credit card company. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I have seen a feature that's to do with security that um, I think we have all mocked from time to time. You know the uh, Get a Mac adverts. Yeah. yeah. Well, my favourite one is the security one. You know, with the guy with the earpiece. Cancel oh, yeah. or allow. Love, oh, I love that it. advert. What I noticed was I was downloading applications onto the MacBook, um, so either a DMG file or a zip file. I was opening them up and installing them. Now, I could have actually transferred them from another machine, but I actually decided, like you, that I'll make sure I've got the latest one, and I downloaded it. Uh, when I double-clicked it, it was saying to me, uh, you know, are you sure you want to install this? And I thought, oh, cancel or allow. Once I got it installed... I then had another message that said this was downloaded from XYZ site on and it gave the date and time. Are you sure you want to run it? Yeah, you're right. You're dead right. I have seen that. And I thought, cancel or allow? Yeah. So, yeah, these new uh, Windows features we've been given, aren't we lucky? At least you can <laughs> say don't ask me again, I think. Um, I left it because I thought, oh, curious. Will it do that every time? Uh, it only seems to be the first time. So, to be honest, I'm pleased that they're beefing up security because... Uh, you know, they've just announced that they've sold more Macs in the last quarter. It was up by 400,000. Obviously, the more people that have Macs, the more popular they become, the more chance there is people will just start to try and write viruses for them. So I'm quite happy if, if they want to put a bit of security in there. Well, it's like what we mentioned about the input managers, uh, the hooks for that. And, you know, when people say, as I say, it's been cited that that's a security uh, hole that needed beefing up, then, yeah, I'm all for that, definitely. Uh, but like you say, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to go into the the realms of uh, cancel or allow or you must restart your computer now, you know. And uh, so hopefully we'll still be able to enjoy the the operating system as being as slick as as what I you know what I always perceived Tiger was. But bearing in mind, I switched from Windows, uh, and <laughs> that's why I was bound. To, anything was going to be better for me, wasn't it? It was really. 
A um, couple of things that I've noticed. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the dock, um, this transparent shelf affair. Oh, the yeah, pictures yeah. I'd seen of it, it wasn't to my taste really. Um, but I thought, well, I don't really use the dock that much anyway, so I wasn't too concerned. And then a story came out that in the Goldmaster, they'd actually listened to people who were saying that um, the people who moved their dock to, to the side, as the shelf, it looked ridiculous. It looked like everything was sliding off. And in the Goldmaster, when you move the dock to the side, um, you get a flat effect, so a 2D effect. The thing with the 2D effect is, because I do have my dock on the side, it's got a, a, a border on it. And the dock itself is considerably wider than the Tiger one. And I don't really like that. So uh, my tip was going to be, um, you can change the dock. Uh, you don't get this flat effect as an option if you have your dock at the bottom. Yeah, but you do get it automatically when it's on the side. Now, if you would like a 2D dock on the bottom, there is... Um, a hack that I've seen for it, so we'll put the URL in the show notes for that. But there's also a plethora of um, applications coming out to do it. Two of the ones I've found, one's called Dock Switcher, All and right. another's called Tiger Dock. And what they are, just a tiny little application with a couple of buttons on it that says um, you know, 3D dock effect or a 2D dock effect. And you literally click the button and switch between the two. So uh, there are already some little hacks out there to sort out um, your dock problem. Although if anybody can find one that can get rid of this border for me and return it to a true tiger dock, I would be eternally grateful. Well, yeah, I, I'll go with you on the fact that this, I was always having my dock on the side. Uh, I had, after putting it on the side now, on you know, and then straight away I went to put it on the side of the new version Leopard. and uh, I didn't like it. And then I thought, well, I'll try the dock at the bottom where, you know, it's kind of, when you say meant to be, I suppose. Uh, and, yeah, it, it it does look better in terms of, the, you know, the icons and the representation of the dock. It, it's not got that silly border on it, but it's still, it's still there and it's still in my way. So I've gone back to auto-hiding it, to be honest with you, because a long time ago, or quite some time ago, when I discovered Quicksilver... I stopped using the dock anyway, and I do wonder now. You know, is have I got a reason to go back to using the dock? And so, what we will just quickly mention uh, the new. You know, why people might be interested in using the new dock, or you know, taking notice of it now is is a little feature that they put on the dock with stacks. Have you had a had a little bit of a play with that and realised it's there? And you know, and have you? Took, do you think it's a, it's a benefit? I have seen it. I was aware that it was there. Um, I'd only seen the demonstration of it, and then I watched the preview video. Um, yes, it's a nice feature. Um, I have my dock on the right-hand side, so when I click on um, one of the stacks, it flies out nicely. I would say it's only really going to be useful for a handful of files. If you've got a large amount of files, it's going to look ridiculous. So um, on the side, it pops out on a sort of semi-transparent dark window. Um, I think when it's on the bottom, it kind of flies out in a sort of Leaning Tower of Pisa effect, doesn't it? It's a fan. Oh, so if you... I've not tried that. If yeah, you, put you it see on the something side... else you've not tried. Put the dock on the side right, and well. uh, click on one of the stacks. So it automatically comes out to a grid. You know, I tried the grid on the bottom, and, you know. Uh, I tried switching to the grid and I tried switching, you know, or having it leave it as a fan. And I must admit, I'd, if you've got... 
if the fan's great when you've only got the f a, f a few items. Uh, the grid is a lot more useful when you've got more items. Uh, but yeah, so obviously when it's on the side, it defaults to showing you the grid, doesn't it? It does. But again, like I'm saying, I think if you've got a lot of files or the file types you've got don't support the preview, then I mean, in my I'm looking at my downloads here, and um, I, I've got lots of uh, DMGs that I've been downloading and installing, and you know it doesn't really add much to see the icon because it doesn't mean a thing. So I think if it was photographs or if it was PDFs, then it, it might be more useful. But again, how how many items could you have in a folder before it started getting unwieldy? I can't see me using that to be honest. Uh, well, I'm gonna say one thing. I've I've only got as far as putting the basics on, uh, I mean, when we talked about I've done a clean install on this MacBook Pro now, yeah, it, it was full. I mean, Documents folder was overloaded with all sorts of... Uh, so, it, like I said, it, this process has forced me to have a good tidy up, and it, I was well overdue a spring clean. Spring was a long time ago, I suppose. And so, yeah, my Documents folder is it, pretty bare at the moment. There's only a few items in it, and it's nice and tidy. And, and I think that's it. My Documents folder's there, and my Downloads folder are there. Maybe this, you know, because when I looked at my default, I, I did have a downloads folder in, contained within my documents folder on my old Tigers setup, and it I never <laughs> removed anything from it. It was just jam full, and it just, you know, it kept growing and growing. Maybe this might encourage me to, again, a bit of housekeeping, and let's be honest, it's uh, with any computer, you know, system setup, and good housekeeping is always going to be, you know, best practice, isn't it? So <laughs> it might encourage me to tidy up after myself every now and then. <laughs> it's just like me picking my dirty socks up, I suppose. Oh, dear, there's an image I don't want to consider. Um, I actually have my download folder on an external drive, um, right. so it's sort of kept tidy automatically. If I'm looking for something, I use, um, when I'm downloading, I use speed download. So um, I know exactly where it is and I have an interface to it so I don't actually yeah. ever have to go and open the folder. I can uh, click on the item in speed download, click the showing finder and it will open it for me. Yeah. So I can't see me using that one. So yeah. I want to get rid of the border on the dock. I'd like the dock um, a little bit narrower. And uh, stacks, no. But I do like the new finder. I like the cover flow view. If I've got a folder full of PDFs, or images, I'm just going to sit there and flick through them. I tell you, one of my favourite uh, views, and they, I mean, yeah, I think Coverflow's. And I, I, I did use Coverflow in iTunes, and I think it's great. And I can, as you can imagine, I can't wait to have on my iPhone. Oh, I mentioned it again. Oh no! <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm going to start fining you every time you mention it. <laughs> Coverflow's stunning. Uh, in terms of its usefulness, I, I, on on the actual desktop, you know, on a computer screen, uh, I've kind of debated whether it was that useful. But now I've seen it in the Finder. Uh, I think, yeah, I do think it's useful now. Uh, it's definitely uh, just navigating around your Documents folder. But just in terms of like looking pretty and you know, and a bit of eye candy, was uh, I started putting when I did the upgrade install of me old of my MacBook Pro setup that was still full of all my applications. When I switched the cover flow view on in the on my applications folder and you scroll through all the icons representing your apps, oh that looks stunning. <laughs> so I thought there's a and there's a bit of eye candy to show off. So sad, uh, that's sad, a... sad. <laughs> you said you like the cover flow. No, I think the new finder, that sidebar there is loads more useful than ever before, isn't it? 
tell you what I noticed, which you might not have tried yet. Um, I was looking for uh, the pictures folder. You know how it used to be on, on the left-hand side, on, on the finder? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there isn't anymore. It's an all images saved search. So I clicked on that thinking, well, it'll show me all the images on my computer. And it did indeed. Obviously, I've just clean installed, so there's not much there. But I did notice some images, and I certainly hadn't put them there. They were my images, but they most definitely were not on this computer. And now what it was doing was it was picking them up from... Right. My iMac. Um, I've also noticed that um, using the shared section where you have your computers listed, uh, there was no need to log on to anything. So if I click on my iMac, um, it shows me I'm connected as a guest. So it shows me the share and I can just drag and drop things. And uh, then there's a connect as button in the top right hand corner. And if you click on that, you can then connect as a person on that computer. It remembers that and uh, you've got these icons that represent all the shares on it so uh, that's pretty nice as well you know i mean again i'm going back to the process of uh, this weekend unfortunately i've been there uh, i had to go and do some of my day job work at the weekend uh so i've shocking I've not it the f yeah, i know i've not given it the full 24 hours uh, or the full 48 hours of uh, messing with my with uh, leopard but I, so i hadn't clicked on the all images folder and i've just done it now and i'm like yeah, oh, hang on. You know, I'm looking through this and think, well, I haven't yet put my images back on this computer. Well, I didn't need to. <laughs> it can see them on me, on my other machine, like you know. And it, and that's how slick it is, isn't it? Well, what I've so noticed it's... with the uh, cover flow feature, I have an external drive on the iMac that has nothing on it but photographs, and uh, they're from a Canon 30D, so they're all in RAW format. They're about right. eight to ten meg a piece, and they are in Canon CR2 format. And uh, you can cover flow through them. You don't need to convert them to JPEGs or anything, and it's pretty fast. And that is coming across a network from a USB drive attached to another machine. Wait, have you had any experiences with uh, Spotlight? Have you been giving it some stick? What I've noticed is a um, nice new feature. When you start typing an application name, so before I had Quicksilver installed again, if you start yeah. to type an application name, it comes up, before the spotlight search is finished and you don't have to command and click you can just press enter and it will run oh, that application right. so if you go up there now and you start typing in text edit you get to text and just press enter it will immediately run text edit it is as fast as quicksilver although i do still have a quicksilver icon sitting quite happily in the menu bar in right. the transparent menu bar are we liking uh, it well i to be honest with you, I don't think it's such an impact as long as you're really picky about what desktop background you use. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't, I wasn't keen on the default leopard background, not at all, because uh, it's a nice little star field for anybody who hasn't seen it. But what happens with the semi-transparent menu bar is you get, it looks like it's got spots. You get white spots behind it, and that can be quite distracting. So I've gone back to a default tiger background the blue swirls on it and uh, my menu bar doesn't look transparent it looks sort of a blue. light shade of blue and um, what I have heard is if you want to make your own desktop images if you take the first 22 lines of the image and make them um, the color that you would like underneath the transparency um, right. you can make it any color you like so it's the first 22 lines oh okay no I don't 
I don't think I got to that much trouble. What I did find was that uh, I've I've always liked, to be honest with you, uh, the because I got the MacBook Pro and the, you know the silver coloring and everything. I've always liked the black and white images that are in you know the default images that you get supplied with Mac OS X, and they're, they're still there now and under Leopard. So the black and white image that I like with the lightning strikes, I, I really like that one. But any of the, the other ones that have got like the the grey uh, scenery, you know, the black and white scenery that's got a lot of grey in it, then that suits fine anyway. Uh, and like I said, my, my thing was, I just think it looks a bit strange if you've got some contrasty background underneath what you described as the first 22 lines. So I think if you just had a, like, you know, a steady pattern under there, you know, so something pretty plain. Well, for those who find it too much to bear, I've found two applications which will take care of it for you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they're free as well. So um, to relieve yourself of your transparent menu bar, you could try <laughs> Opaque Menu Bar uh, from Eternal Storms or Leo Colour Bar. So we'll put the uh, URLs on the show notes for those, but they're two applications that uh, take the transparency away from you and make your life far more bearable. So if you don't like the menu bar, uh, just like the dock really, um, you can try one of those applications. Well, for if that. you don't like the menu bar, I mean, uh, I, got, I got introduced to uh, Menu Shades. Have you seen that one? Now, I'm not sure, I've not looked that one up again for for a while, but Menu Shades, I did give it a try once, but I kind of dis decided, not, wasn't sure that I needed it. Uh, that sounds well, like the kind of application that isn't going to work with Leopard, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Well, uh, well, I know well. there was something called, is it Window Shades? I don't think that right. one works. Um, right. So it sounds like the kind of thing that might not work. So before you install that anything that you've got saved, do search the net, make sure that it works. <laughs> before you get it installed don't know if anybody's heard about the um other issue which is uh aperture and time machine don't use them at the same time you heard about that one no not heard that one no. right what it is i'm an aperture user but go on time machine um does its initial backup so it takes a copy of the, of the drive and that takes quite a while i believe um and then it updates itself at regular intervals now, you can elect to do a manual update, so you manually update your time machine, but obviously really circumvents the point of having it if it's right. not doing it automatically. If it decides in the middle of you doing uh, working with an Aperture, in the middle of an Aperture session, to update time machine, you can get inconsistencies between your Aperture library on your system and the Aperture library that is in time machine. So uh, the recommended thing to do uh, from Apple, from their knowledge base, is to make Time Machine update manually when you're using Aperture. Apparently it's something they're working on and they're hoping for some update uh, within a week or so. So uh, Time Machine, Aperture, not happy together at the moment. Well, we'd have to mention Time Machine because it's one of the much hyped features of uh, Leopard. Have you used it yet? Nope, not at uh, all. I've thought about it. it, but well, um, I'm an Aperture user, so I'm just about to reinstall Aperture and, and get everything back to how, how I was before. So now you've kind of put me off Time Machine a little bit more. But to be honest with you, I wanted to give Time Machine a try. I wanted to see how useful it could be. But in all the process of doing all my backups, because I wanted to do these clean installs, I'm running short of external hard drive space. So one, I've got to go out and buy another. I've got... 650 gigabytes of external hard drive here that's almost full uh, so 
again I need some spring cleaning to be done on that uh, you know as you can imagine but yeah I could go out and buy another hard drive uh, but I do once I've written, you know got my, my system set up again and I can remove some of those old backups that I don't need then you know I might well have a go at time machine on one of the computers but now you've kind of told me about the aperture issue like you said it defeats the objective I'm going to have to switch it to manual mode well you don't want to um, I mean it's not from what I can gather, it isn't going to disturb the uh, data on your live machine, but it may make recovering it more difficult. So it could corrupt it when you're at the point that you come to uh, restore it. So it isn't something that I'd be having running at the same time. So like you're saying, um, thing with Time Machine is, it's a nice idea, but what it seems to be is for somebody who's inadvertently deleted a file um, at some point in the past, the Time Machine backup itself is not bootable. So you could have a perfect backup in Time Machine. Your hard drive dies. You can't boot to the Time Machine drive. So I prefer the way I do it, which is image the system to an external drive and update that image. So should the hard drive die, I can boot to the external machine and carry on. That's actually very important for applications, both small and large, from... Um, people like Adobe who have you activate software and right. you know independent vendors who maybe you know you pay $20 for something and you have to activate it if your main hard drive dies how do you deactivate it so you can put it on another system whereas if you've got a backup of your system a complete mirror image of your system you can boot to that and it will give you long enough, you know, even if you don't do anything else with it, you can boot to it to deactivate your applications. So Time Machine for me, bit of a gimmick, I think. Uh, it'd be nice for somebody who maybe like, I know you support your mother's use of it. You know, she doesn't want to lose any pictures she's got. You could stick a hard drive under the desk and she need never know it's doing anything. That's what appeals to me, to be honest with you. Uh, ideal scenario there. Uh, I think that's going to be a godsend for for the, the likes of mums and aunties and uncles and uh, and it could well save some 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 heartache definitely uh, I mean my mum as you know is getting used to you know, using a digital camera now and I think that would be uh, that could be right you know godsend for her you know in, in terms of that's the cal calibre of the application it? to my mind that it's for your average home user who doesn't know how to make backups in any other way I don't mm. think in any way it's a sort of professional type system. So me, I'll probably carry on imaging and uh, most of my data is on external drives. You said you had 600 odd meg of external storage. I've yeah, got yeah. six terabytes of external storage six, to look after. Six terabytes. Six right. terabytes. So uh, it's a big job. Uh, so I don't think Time Machine is <laughs> going to take too kindly to that. The other well, thing I thought of that would be nice for Time Machine was if it backed up to um, an airport drive. But apparently it doesn't do that either. So that was a great shame. You couldn't share it sort of on your airport across a network. Oh, but it'll back up to a network connected drive, won't it? It might connect to a network connected drive, but I'm not sure how um, the airport drive connects. And apparently it won't back up to that. You mean for, for the new uh, airport extreme router? Yeah, when you, when you, put, got, when you actually USB. physically plug the USB drive into the airport, it doesn't work. Right, right. So that because would be an issue if you were trying to back up two machines and, and you had your external driver on that kind of router. That must be the way it's the, the airport, the USB to 
drive is hosted on the network. I believed I hadn't tried one of them yet. I was considering buying one of them, but I kind of was under the impression that you plug a USB 2 drive into the Airport Extreme and it ends up just appearing as a NAS drive on your network. Uh, maybe it doesn't then. I'm not sure how it works either. Yeah. Again, it was something that I considered, but I decided in the end I might as well just have them on one uh, machine, which I do. I have them all on the iMac. If I need to work on the MacBook, then I can literally just unplug the USB hub and plug that in. Obviously, it's a bit trickier with the Firewire drives, but um, I can share them across a network. I have a network going as well. I think Time Machine is pretty much uh, version 1. I mean, they've obviously, I'd have thought, to be honest, they'd have found the problems with Aperture well before now. Uh, I'm backing up to sort of network-based drives. I, I thought that was the whole point of them adding the feature to the airport. So um, very much a version one. It might be something that I'll try in the future, but I don't think at the moment I'm going to be wasting a whole external drive to save myself from idi idiocy when I've managed to save myself from idiocy for the last 20 years with without Time Machine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I'm... I've got uh I'm gonna upgrade some one of my external drives here and I've got a USB two two hundred and fifty gig drive. I think that's perfect to go and plug it around in my mum's computer and let it sit there. And I think that's uh it's ideal for that scenario. Yeah, uh, I think I'll that's what it's perfect for. I've seen I've seen a one terabyte drive that I might uh get the oh god, it means get the card out again, doesn't it? <laughs> it does and you'll be needing that card again shortly, won't you? Don't say it. Okay, okay. For a nice shame. shiny black piece of plastic. Hey, you know when we've had a sp we've had a special episode there for the uh, leopard launch, and we're going to have a special episode for the iPhone launch. Oh, that's, that's it. Again. it. <laughs> Three strikes and you're out. <laughs> Forget it. Anyway, we've got some uh, listener feedback, people. In episode two, uh, Mike B, you put out a challenge, and it was all to do with um, your cousin who had sent you a mail, and there were five thousand people in the two line. Yes. Yes, nice you're remembering this, aren't you? Well, uh, Rob's come up with a solution, and uh, he's posted it as a comment on the blog. So thank you very much for that, Rob. I bet you've and not Rob, tried it yet, have you? No, well, to be honest with you, only because of the leopard upgrade. Yes, of course, uh, of course. But you will uh, be trying it before the next show, won't you, and letting us know if it works? No, I certainly will, because, I mean, uh, Rob's from our um, Northwest Mac user group, and one thing that Rob has uh, tried to get me into, uh, you know, because, as you know, I'm a recent switcher, and one thing Rob has tried to get me into a couple of times now is... Uh, having a go with some of the features you can you know create yourself with Apple Script, and Rob the Rob suggested a, a scenario for me here you know a workaround uh, by creating an, an Apple Script to do this job and I thought well, there's an ideal reason to, to have a go at Apple Script so I, I thank Rob for that and uh, I'm definitely going to give it a go but as I say I only held up, held back because of the all the uh, um, this, you know the commotion and the excitement around uh, putting the new OS on the systems, and that's but, a, uh, that's a, a, a pint that you owe Rob at the next Mac meeting. I'm afraid it'll have to be, won't it? That's if I get it to work. I mean, I might have to just bring my computer and he'll have to do me some more training. But uh, no, it's a great idea for for me to have a go at doing that. And we've also heard from John from our local Mac group. That's uh, John Kelso, and he has given uh, sent me a URL with a list of applications that aren't yet Leopard compliant. So I'll oh, put God. that on the show notes as well. Uh, there were some interesting ones on there. There were some of the ones that we thought of, uh, you know, these with hooks into the system. But there was also some others on there. So it's not a comprehensive list. Have you got it in front of you now? Um, no, I haven't, no, I'm afraid. It's on my it? iMac. But, because while um, we've been talking, I've been, again, looking at what installations, because, as you can imagine, I'm multitasking as you do. I've been looking at what 
next bits of software I need to install on my computer this evening and I've got a bit of spare time and uh, one of the pieces of software which I, I do use uh, is Null Rivers uh, Connect 360 and that connects my Xbox 360 to me Mac so I can stream all my movies and music and whatever over to me Xbox 360 and, and and onto the big screen and through my hi-fi and so yeah something uh, that's another piece of software I've just thought of that I've, I've not yet installed Right, I found the list. It's uh, actually hosted at macrumors.com. Oh, cool. Uh, so what was it called? It's Connect360 by Null River. Not on the list. Right. I'll so not on the list. I'm looking at this, actually, and it's actually up, been updated. So it looks like this uh, list is being updated as we go as well. Unfortunately, it's uh, growing by the minute by the look of it. Well, so um, th there's some stuff out there that's not compatible. Like I said, some of the stuff you'd expect, like uh, Onyx, which is so integrated with the system. But the, there's some other things on there that I would think were just applications. Um, one of the ones on there is DevonThink Pro Office, which is uh, my copy of DevonThink. As I said, that seems to be working for me, but don't rely on it. Um, other things, little things like IGTD. Um, it's got iCal sync problems. Obviously, any of these applications that are synchronizing with uh, any other applications aren't going to work too well. That one's iCal. There's also a lot of mail um, plugins as well. There's Mail Act on, Mail.Appetizer, Mail on Red Bundle, a lot of things to do with mail. Uh, something that you mentioned, Pith Helmet. Yeah. Not so yet. I'll put the uh, URL that John sent us up on the uh, show notes so where people can have a look. I'll also put in the show notes uh, some of my research into the things that I found that didn't work. I thought you'd have been crying into your copious amounts of beer about Skitch. <laughs> Skitch. I've, I've been taking part in the beta for Skitch. And again, it's one of those where... I've done the I've done the clean install and everything, and I've still not you know installed everything, and I've not yeah I've not looked that one up yet, Skitch, and that's um, it. It works apparently, um, and well, you know when you come to upload the image, yeah, it dies, oh. but when you reboot uh, the application and you go and check what you've uploaded, apparently it has uploaded it, but it dies at the telling you that it's success. It's been successful stage. Uh, well, I was looking so at you'll Null have Rivers to test website. that one for us. Oh, well, I was looking at Null River's website, though, about my Connect 360. And unfortunately, which is surprising, really, Null River doesn't seem to have updated the... the not updated the application, but they've not updated the, the, you know, the blog, the support blog, to suggest whether it's compatible or not. So That was what I found, and I found that very frustrating. Yeah. I had so many applications to check that I really just wanted an icon on the homepage, you know, like sort of... A Microsoft will work with Windows icon. I wanted mm -hmm. a OK for Leopard icon, and I must congratulate um, a company called Smile on My Mac. Oh yeah. That we talked about with Text Expander. When you go yeah. to their site and you look up their applications, there's a lovely little icon at the bottom with a smiling leopard giving you the thumbs up. So it was really helpful to go to their site, and immediately you could see that yes, they worked. So that was very good. I'm looking at this list, and some of these are absolute classics. Uh, there's one that says applications which work with previous versions with issues. And one oh. of them is Adobe Acrobat 8. It won't print PDFs. Really? Mm, that's pretty critical, isn't it? I'm, gonna say, yeah, well... <laughs> I'm not sure what's left to do with that. <laughs> you can view them, but you can't print them. So like I say, we'll put that on the uh, show notes. 
and that, hopefully that... we'll hear from people with their experiences of leopard. Yeah, how, how have your installs gone? Did you do a clean install? Did you do an over the top? Uh, how many times have you had to do it? Or is Mikey B holding the uh, winning podium here for the number of times leopard has been installed in 48 hours? <laughs> I think you could be, you know. I've only done it twice. On one, twice on one machine, three times in two machines. Yeah. You see, you've just increased that by fifty percent in two seconds yeah. there. No, right, well, three right. times. So you've beaten me. I've just done it the once, and uh, it's working really well. I'm really pleased. Really pleased. I'll be taking this laptop out tomorrow uh, and be using it in anger. So that's how confident I am. I'd like to say thanks to uh, Rob for uh, his comments, and I'd also like to say uh, thanks to John for his uh, comments and feedback as well. Well, that's it for this episode of Mac Bytes, and next week we'll be looking at information management on a Mac using DevonThink, how we manage all those bits of information which don't seem to fit anywhere. In the meanwhile, uh, as always, we'd love to have your comments and your feedback. You can email us at uh, macbytesuk at gmail.com, or you can uh, leave a comment, as always, on the website, macbytes.co.uk. And with that, it's goodbye, and see you next time. Goodbye. See you next time. See ya. See ya.